Over the next uh, hour or so, there's a number of jets that are scheduled to fly above my house, um, and nice. uh, they they come in pretty low. They're about they're about thirty meters above my house because um, wow. I'm about I'm, I'm about five houses from the end of the runway. So uh, when <laughs> when that happens, <laughs> I'll mute my microphone. But you know, if we miss it, we miss it, and that's life. I don't know what they do in America to tell time, but sometimes in Australia we'll have clocks. Uh, but mm. I've saved that money. Uh, I don't. I don't mm. need to have a clock. I just have a. <laughs> just have say three twenty. Roaring aircrafts going over your head. <laughs> oh, it's One six flight gets babe. delayed, and you're all you're like, "There's the six o'clock <laughs> FedEx flight." I'm. Uh. I'm really, really sorry. I f***ed up your wedding. It was. It was Jetstar's fault. They came in late from Perth last night. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Dustin. And I'm Steve. Welcome back to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast. We're an irreverent look at photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help cure you of your wedding hangover. This week, we're so excited to be joined by Josh Withers. Josh is a wedding celebrant from Australia. You might know him from Josh's podcast, The Rebel's Guide to Getting Married, or from the Celebrant Institute, or the Elopement Collective, or from that one time he conducted a Twitter wedding using the hashtag twetting. <laughs> Josh, thank you so much for taking time to join us today. How are you doing? G'day, cobbers. That's a... <laughs> That's, that's how we officially greet people. When when foreigners come to Australia, we put on a really thick accent and say g'day, and then the, there's cobbers or there's mates. Uh, but uh, but officially, welcome to Australia. G'day. <laughs> I, love it. I think I think what makes that so good though is you're saying that wearing a New York Yankees hat. <laughs> like that's what just icing on the cake there for me. Welcome to 2019. There are no borders in this yeah, modern you're, world. You're so open and accepting. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's my whole ethos. Is uh, I want to go hard on the Australian culture whilst also wearing American tourist hats. <laughs> Love it. Hard on the Australian culture. So, who's your uh, favorite Aussie rules football team? No, see, see, I, I understand you guys have done a little bit of research, but uh, but I come from a National Rugby League territory. So oh we, yes, yeah, it's a very much like a kind of Catholics Protestants um, football existence. <sighs> So the southern oh, man, half of Australia, right yeah, no, you went right in. the uh, The southern <laughs> half of Australia is really into AFL. Uh, me, uh, NRL. And if uh, if you want to do a whole podcast about NRL, um, there are much more intelligent people than me. But I, uh, I will put my <laughs> two cents in for the uh, for the North Queensland Cowboys. Yeah, nice. So we should probably deal with the elephant in the room here. Josh is not a wedding photographer. <gasps> He is a celebrant, an MC sometimes, sometimes also a DJ, and sometimes also a ceremony videographer when the couple doesn't have a hired videographer, which is to say he sets a camera up on a tripod in the back, right? Yeah, that's ex that's the extent of my photography videography. Uh, I do I do some pretty sick Insta stories. If that, mm. th does, does that enter the realm of wedding photography? I oh, think absolutely. it should. Steve, I think, talked about on an earlier episode about starting like some sort of Instagram package. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, best idea I ever had and never actually, you know, brought to uh, fruition. Which I've talked to other people about, Steve, and there's there's something there. <laughs> Not something good. Not something anyone <laughs> would pay money for, but there is something there. Something. There's we an haven't idea. found out what it is yet, but there's something. 
Yeah, if you offered so. that for one or two hundred dollars in a Facebook group, that would go off like wildfire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be terrible. Two hundred dollars for every Saturday. Ugh. So, if you're listening at home, you might be asking, wondering to yourself, why did we ask Josh on the show? I'm wondering. And the short answer is because he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> And he has a lot of interesting perspectives on the industry as a whole. Um, so, Josh, if we could just start out, like, how long have you been working in the wedding industry? So, I've been a uh, an authorized marriage celebrant for just over ten years. So, uh, Australia has a little bit of a different uh, marriage officiant, marriage celebrant um, deal than most of the rest of the world. So, I'm appointed by the government. The government. Uh, and not just me, there's about 9,000 of us. The, uh, the Australian federal government says, um, hey, you guys can marry people um, by our authority. And so I've been that guy for about 10 years. I've been full-time for maybe, um, God, coming up to seven years now. And, uh, yeah, I, I just get to go to weddings and have a chat. It's pretty cool. But you don't just do weddings in Australia, right? No. So I would probably say Australia is about half of my work and the rest of it... Uh, is when, uh, like, I just came back from New Zealand. Uh, I'm in um, Bali, uh, so Indonesia a fair bit. Uh, next year, we're spending three months in Europe. Uh, but I, in the, at the start of June, I have three weeks where we did a couple of ceremonies in um, northern Italy, so uh, well, Tuscany, and then also in Amalfi, down the Amalfi coast, then Ravello, uh, and then also in Croatia at Dubrovnik. Um, so the, the international aspect of our business is... It's pretty big. In fact, in maybe oh, maybe three weeks, we're coming stateside. We're going to be <gasps> in uh, New York for, um, hmm. I can't remember, a number of ceremonies, and then off to Yosemite. Oh, so, oh. Yeah. I was looking for a state that started with an I. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no? No, no. There's, uh, are there any good states that start with I? Nope. Illinois. It's right next <laughs> to Indiana. That's <laughs> where Chicago is. Idaho has great potatoes, I hear. You can skip that one. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, the international aspect of our business is massive, and, and I need to give credit where credit's due, that um, that, that is uh, definitely more than uh, 50% my wife's doing. So, we've, we've got a number of uh, brands or things we do. Uh, Married by Josh is my Instagram account, Facebook. That's me as a marriage celebrant, where I do weddings, elopements, and everything in between. Uh, but the elopement side of our business is called the Elopement Collective, and I, I am married to the founder of the Elopement Collective, and uh, and she is um, she and I are in an exclusive relationship where when she has a celebrant, I am that celebrant, and I also do her books and her website design. But she uh, so Brit is the is the the brains behind that. Uh, but it's also a really awesome aspect of us actually just being. Uh, actually, I, I heard Seth, Seth Godin say this word the other day, and I thought that's exactly what we've been trying to do for years, which is to create a ruckus, which is what the Elopement Collective is. We're trying to create a ruckus in the wedding industry and just do something really different, really awesome, which is um, go really hard on the elopement side, where I see a lot of people say, yeah, we do elopements. Like, no one doesn't do elopements, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Like, are there any wedding photographers? Like, no, nah, I just don't do elopements. They suck. <laughs> everyone... I do an elopement, and if one came my way, I just never (laughs) do. (laughs) See, we get them all the time, and we're just like, oh, we really want to just do 12-hour Catholic weddings. It's really, really kind of my bread and butter that go to tops of (laughs) mountains with beautiful people and beautiful sceneries. I don't know. It just doesn't really sound like it would be on brand for us. Yeah, no, so you're one of the few. Most people would really want to do that. Just trying to make a ruckus. (laughs) So yeah, the Elopement Collective is uh, is what takes us around the world doing elopements. So I want to talk more about the Elopement Collective, but first, 
now that we got your bona fides out of the way, people know that they should actually listen to the episode. What are you drinking tonight? My friends, I am drinking a Glenfiddich 12-year-old. Because Twelve. it just, uh, wow. just went over 12 p.m., so it's, it's okay to drink. <laughs> so as, as you alluded, there is a bit of a time difference between Stephen and I and you, um, which we appreciate you uh, making the 12... You're in the future, right? I am. I'm, I'm 12 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, I had to get out of bed for this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. Stephen and I have resisted going to bed for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you like about the Glenfiddich? How's it taste? Uh, it tastes definitely like scotch. It's, uh, it's not, <laughs> as, not as old as I would probably prefer. Um, you know, the, the older the better, as they say. But uh, it's it's going down smooth and lovely. What are you boys drinking? Dustin, you want to go first? Sure. I am just drinking one of my favorite beers. It is a Brewdog Elvis juice. Um, I drank this on a, another episode and kind of fell in love with it. It's a grapefruit-infused IPA. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, it's a good, good beer. Did you drink that before James Kelly raved nope. about it on the episode he was on? Nope. Did you drink it because of him? Nope. James Kelly inspired, inspired me. Oh, that's going to go to his head. Just what we need. Yeah. More I'm head. drinking a, I'm drinking an 18th street brewery, uh, devil's cup pale ale. And that is a great Indiana beer for a great Indiana man like me, Steve Van Elk. Um, you know, 18th Street is one of the best breweries here in Indiana, I gotta say. It's right up there with Scarlet Lane and uh, Three Floyds. And it's it's kind of like a smooth pale ale, this one. I like it a lot. Did you get that as a birthday present? No. Oh. It's not my birthday yet, Dustin. Oh, I know. I just, I didn't know. You know, if you did. I got this for myself tonight. <laughs> Because we were out of beer, and I was like, well, if Josh is going to drink with us, I want to make sure I have something. Because I'd hate for him to start drinking at 12, and then I'm just over here sober as a bird. Sober as a bird. I'm, I'm so yeah. glad that you didn't do what, what I felt would be uh, uh, respectful, but wrong. <laughs> which is, <laughs> you would that you, that you would go out to, to wherever you get your beer from and get a Foster's. Because uh, every, every, every time I'm in America, I, I see these, these big cans of Foster's. Ugh. And and it literally is the worst beer that's ever been made. But they they bang on I about agree. It like it's Australia's greatest. Um, Foster's is terrible. It's, it's terrible. Went on a went on a cruise when I was like twenty one. Uh, it was right after my dad passed away, and my mom was like, "This Christmas we're going on a cruise, so nobody thinks about the fact that he's not here." And my friends went with us and my friend's dad just drank fosters the entire time and he acted like it was the best beer ever so me and my friend were both 21 we stop off and we, we buy some fosters and we couldn't even make it through like our whole cans because it's just so bad and both went back to drinking uh i think it was stretch stripe <laughs> I, I, I bought a can last time i was in uh, in california because i thought it'd be beautifully ironic and it would make for a great instagram post <laughs> and it tastes like tastes like off water and I don't know how yes. water gets off, but it's off. Well, they brew it with uh, kangaroo sweat, I think, right? <laughs> that's, that's what it was, yeah. Or is it wallaby? So I get them mixed up. It might have been dingo or Tasmanian mm. devil. I mean, how many other animals do we know that are from Australia, Dustin? <laughs> Just those two. Of them. <laughs> I, eat, I, eat it out back. I used to eat it out back a lot. I don't know if you have those there. <laughs> we, 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 we have the original outback. 
Oh. Oh, I don't think ours is original, but it has good shrimp. I was um, driving through the Outback, which uh, I, I feel like I'm telling people that already know this fact, but I'll just say it nonetheless. So the Outback is pretty much well everywhere that is... Um, Everywhere that is more than, say, 50 to 100 miles inland of Australia. Because unlike America, our inland is mostly desolate and there's regional towns, but not not a whole lot. Uh, and I was driving through a part of what you might call the outback yesterday. I was coming from uh, Mount Kosciuszko, which is the Snowy Mountains. And I was driving to Sydney, which is about a five-hour drive. And... Uh, you guys have barely named half of the animals that I saw slaughtered on that highway. <laughs> it's so much so that I, I was, because I was listening to, I think, one of the most recent episodes, and you were talking about that uh, Australian Geographic Prize winner of the mm-hmm. uh, photo of the uh, the whale being circled by sharks. And I. That episode everything. literally came out yesterday. <laughs> but there, there we go. I was listening to it. And uh, I, um, I was thinking that. It would be a hilariously beautiful drone photo of a wombat. (laughs) (laughs) But I I thought it would be hilarious. I don't know how many people would get the joke and just think that it's a really morbid thing to take a photo, like a drone photo of a wombat slaughtered on the side of a highway. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Be some real road warrior crap. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In fact, just like while well, while we're going down the rabbit hole of all of this, or the wombat hole, hey, the um the stretch of road between Canberra, which is our national capital, and the mm-hmm. Snowy Mountains, uh, li- like literally always littered with uh, with wildlife that have been hit by trucks and cars, uh, <laughs> because they um they just don't like to be alive. I'm assuming. Uh, <laughs> There's, there's literally very suicidal, a project. very suicidal some... in that country. <laughs> so there's literally a project. I'm not making this up, where they collect that roadkill, and they take it to Tasmania, which is our island state. It's the Hawaii of Australia. I don't think it is. I don't think anyone's ever called it that. <laughs> it's our island state. You're starting and, something. Yeah, I'm starting a thing, and they're they're shipping the the mainland roadkill to Tasmania so that the Tasmanian devil can eat non-local animals because so many of the animals there have, uh, they carry this, um, and I, I can't tell you exactly what the disease is, but there's a disease that has been, uh, it's carried by other animals, but it, it kills the Tasmanian devil. So I, I, like I'm, I'm hearing about this the day before yesterday. And I'm fascinated that we've got this system where we get mainland roadkill to ship to Tasmania to, to, prevent the Tasmanian devil from going uh, extinct. What a, what a time sounds, to be alive. Sounds like a government plot. It sounds like they're trying to give the Tasmanian devil a taste for that mainland <laughs> animal. So then they can bring the Tasmanian devil to the mainland and call out some of those mainland animals. Really take care don't, of business. Don't worry. The, the, the mainland white people have done a pretty good job of that. <laughs> so... So back to the elopement collective, um, you guys work with a lot of photographers all around the world, or at least that's yeah. what your website says. What do you guys look for when you're trying to find people to work with? Oh, that's a really good question. Or is that mostly Brit's job? Should we have had her uh, on the podcast? Did we make a huge mistake? Yeah, no, you've really messed up actually. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like you thought you were talking to the CEO, but you've actually got the janitor and I'm just no. sitting here making crap up <laughs> while I'm scrubbing floors and the CEO's inside that's, sipping whiskey. I mean, that wouldn't be too far off brand because that's kind of like Jen and Steve. Yeah. Jen's the CEO and <laughs> the janitor started the podcast with me. So we've just kind of kept that going. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you, you need somebody who really knows the ins and outs and where all the shit is. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Ask the CEO where the broom is. No idea. It's true. Ask the janitor where the 401ks are. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> oh, it's too soon. Uh, <laughs> no, honestly, it's a really good question about the Elopement Collective because we we uh, literally not a day goes past that we get a, a, a take a an email or a direct message from a photographer that would like to be involved and it's um it's it's a it's a sensitive oh, hey, thing. Josh, um I'd oh, like to be involved. No, I'm joking. Yeah. I'm hand up. I'm <laughs> raising my hand. Love Willing it. to break from my Catholic weddings, Josh, just for you. <laughs> I'll try and find you a really a really low level mountain with a pretty poor view for you to start out on. With an elevator. I need an elevator <laughs> to get up to the top. <laughs> This body wasn't meant for hiking. <laughs> I hear you, brother. I hear you. Neither was this one. Uh, we we don't have ambitions of creating this global, awesome kind of um, you know national international business with hundreds of thousands of staff. We that's just not who we are. We just we we really love the small thing we do. Um, and by small, something that kind of uh, occupies mine and Brits. Uh, and working hours, uh, and also allows us to do work that we think really matters and is important and is enjoyable, and we get to do that with our friends. And so uh, the photographers who we work with, who are listed on our website, they're, uh, they're people who get what we do, that they understand it. Um, and it's actually it's actually really hard for most wedding photographers and especially wedding videographers. Uh, God bless those guys. They're awesome humans. Shout out to the videographers. That, uh, they, they find it really hard to get what we do because we don't do weddings. And, and we actually refund probably, I don't know, I'd say like once every month or two, we end up refunding a couple's money um, because they're, they're good people that want to have a good thing they just don't want what we want. And mm-hmm. it would be a bad day at work if we kept their money and kept on trying to deliver our product to them because they're not going to like it. They're going to leave a bad review and everyone's going to be upset and it's going to be, you know, a yucky experience. So, yeah, we, we're, we're, in the, we're in the habit of saying no more than we say yes because um, that's a privileged position for us to stand in because we want to have fun at work. We want to do things that are, that are exciting. We find elopements really exciting. So, uh, so what we look for in a photographer um, and videographer is someone who is okay with the, uh, the the general package is one to two hours, and so it happens Monday to Thursday, generally speaking. Unless we're all travelling overseas, then in which case, you know, being available for a Saturday wedding doesn't really matter anyway. Because all of all, me and all of the photographers and videographers, we we all work generally you know, your Friday, Saturday, Sunday weddings. So we we only do elopements Monday to Thursday. They happen in the one to two hours before sunset, depending on you know, sun and light. And, you know, where some places you might want to work closer to sunset. Some places you might want an extra hour or two, depending on mountains and whatnot. And, uh, and they're okay with me leading the event, but the photographer taking charge of the aesthetics of the day. Because um, I'm imagining you guys could probably count on one hand how many times you've had to choose where the ceremony would happen. You're usually mm-hmm. just told, aren't you? Like it's, it's happening there figure it out. So our photographers have to kind of take a little bit of responsibility and saying, oh, let's do the ceremony here. Or um, for example, yeah, two days ago when I was at uh, Kosciuszko National Park, instead of doing the ceremony at the start of the elopement, we did it in the middle because we had a few spots we wanted to get to. And one spot was extra cool, but the light wasn't there yet. And so we did some uh, maybe 20, 30 minutes of portraits. And then um, 
and then drove to another spot. The couple were in the back with us. We did the ceremony up there and then did some portraits afterwards, and it was a cool day. And so that's because the photographer, Lauren Campbell, who we're working with, she um, she she knows, like all of our guys know, that, uh, that she's uh, responsible for how it looks and how it feels. Um, well, I suppose I'm more, I'm more responsible for how it feels, but how it looks is the photographer's job. And, uh, and yeah, and, and they just kind of get the vibe we're going for, that it's not a wedding, that we're not doing mm-hmm. the proper wedding things. We're not doing the normal thing. We're just uh, celebrating the fact that these two people absolutely do not hate one another and uh, we think it'd be good <laughs> that they'll get married. <laughs> and we just want to create something special out of that, which is what an elopement is. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I think we can fight that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> So what do most couples who come to you guys, what are they looking for um, outside of like just a fun package? Is there like a certain like aesthetic feel they're looking for? And do you guys have different photographers you recommend based on what they're looking for aesthetically or uh, how how does that like all work out? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the couple actually chooses the photographer. Uh, oh, oh, well, cool. yeah, so it's it's based on availability and location. So it might be that um, like if you... Uh, if one of you guys um, wanted to uh, get married again to one of your wives and you said, oh, I want to do it in Iceland, I might say, well, how about November 3 this year? You don't have to pay any travel, but you've got to use Harley from Bob Creative. And you might say, cool, well, I can save a couple of thousand dollars and use the photographer who's already on the ground and plus Harley's a good guy. But then um, if you were doing it close to home to me, for example, if you're doing it at Byron Bay or on the Gold Coast or on the Sunshine Coast of Australia, then uh, that's all within a one or two hour drive from uh, our house. And we have uh, three, three or four team members nearby. And so you would have a choice of any of them. But then sometimes people will say, oh, I really like this photographer. We'll say, cool, well, the travel cost will be $1,000 or whatever it might be. So the, so the couple generally chooses the photographer. And we encourage them to really fall in love with the photographer. Like, kind of the whole basis of our whole business is that uh, we don't want to be found on the front page of Google, which I know is is a heresy in wedding world that you, everyone wants to be on the front page of Google. And I'm like, I actively don't want to be on the front page of Google. Like if I could, if I could pay Google just to knock me back a couple of pages, it would be a blessing. Uh, you get less photographers contacting you then asking if they could work with you. No, actually, you, you know, you know what it is, is, is we're just not for everyone. And a lot of people would contact us cause they want a cheap wedding. And I'm like, we're actually, we're not about cheap. Like I know the the price tag for an elopement is less than a price tag for a wedding, um, but but we're not about being cheap or inexpensive or budget. We don't use those words. Um, but when it comes back to the couple with the photographer, they so so they choose the photographer and they choose it because they're falling in love with them. That they would scroll back through their social, and uh, you know, a lot of our guys talk about how they'll see um, someone like their page or their, their, uh, they'll follow their Instagram page, and then they'll like 20 photos, and then maybe a few hours later they'll get an email from Brit saying, hey, you've been booked for such and such date. And they're like, oh, it was a couple <laughs> who just insta-stalked us, which is kind of cool, <laughs> hey? Yeah, I love it. Do you, uh, do you guys only do weddings and, like, vow renewals and stuff like that? Or have you ever been asked to do, like, a destination funeral or <laughs> anything like that? No, no. Destination funerals. Do you think that's a growing market? Has like a past client ever been like, you know, wanting you to do like a christening of their child? <laughs> no. So, so me as a celebrant, I, um, I only do like, I don't like to say only or never, but I predominantly mainly pretty much or completely do 
marriage ceremonies because I'm really good at that. I'm not good at funerals. I know so many officiants in the world, like, I do funerals and weddings and christenings, and I'm like, I'm not good at any of that. I just do what I'm good at. And and I've done I've, I've done maybe five or six funerals in my career, and and uh, I don't think I was that good at them. So I just do what I'm good at. Um, so there's room for improvement. There is. <laughs> Honestly, I could really... <laughs> you know, I saw this picture recently of sharks circling a beach whale as it was about to die, and I just think maybe you should really look for the beauty in death and um, the things that you're doing. I could look for more beauty in death. Uh, that's that's a failure on my behalf. <laughs> I'm just thinking the spinoff podcast, A Rebel's Guide to Funerals. <laughs> die your life. <laughs> die your way. Go out on your own terms. <laughs> mm, it has a slight connotation that I don't know it that does, would be widely yeah. accepted. It's, it's you only do assisted <laughs> suicide funerals. Oh, Ooh, sorry. Yuck. Maybe we don't go there. Yeah, see, I was thinking of like a page full of affiliate links to like motorcycles and quads. <laughs> <laughs> Segways. Segways? Have you thought Ride about paragliding? <laughs> it's a growing business. So is it recently I've seen you've shared a bunch of photos that you've taken of photographers and videographers from weddings that you've conducted. Um, I was just kind of curious, like how often are you out there with the photographers and the videographers during the portrait time when you're doing like the elopement collective type stuff? So when it's an elopement collective elopement, it's highly likely that, um, that we're all in the same car. And mm -hmm. so, uh, we just all kind of together just by default cause we're there, uh, so For is it example, like you in the back seat with the bride on one side and the groom on the other side? Can't let them be together <laughs> until after the ceremony's done. Because I'm all about leaving room for the Holy Spirit. That's <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just and as the celebrant, you are his denizen on earth. <laughs> just maintaining that thirty centimeter rule. You should wear. You should wear. That should be your tie that just says Holy Spirit <laughs> down the middle. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, no, so I'm usually driving, um, mm -hmm. and uh, the photographer's with me and the couple's in the back, and uh, they're, they're probably making out that I think they may have already been intimate before that moment, so I've, <laughs> I've lost all, I've lost hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's quite common for, for me and the photographer to kind of fly in together or to, um, to I, I might pick them up and we'll drive together, or, you know, it's, um, it, it's a real team effort because... Because there's no bridal party, there's commonly no guests. More than half of our couples would have no witnesses, no guests. There's just us. So it's a it's a delicate uh, situation where we we don't want it to be void of conversation and laughter, but also don't want to be overbearing and like, hey guys, I'm here, look at me. So that's a real skill on my behalf to just be, uh, you know, someone who's helpful and enjoyable. I'm, I'm holding a bouquet. I'm holding a jacket. I'm taking photos. I'm flying the drone. I'm having fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just kind of taking responsibility for the vibe. I was just curious being that like Steven and I, you know, we are the photographers, videographers, what have you at weddings, but you get to witness different photographers um, hey. at yeah. each of these weddings. At each of these weddings. I was just curious what your different perspectives on photography were and what advice you might give photographers shooting ceremonies with you. So I, uh, I haven't got a prepared list, but I've, I've, I'm just going to kind of go through my mind as to di the different kind of photographers I think of experience. There, there's, there's, there's a couple of stereotypes that I would say exist. Um, there's uh, what I call black shirts. 
So that's when there's a squadron <laughs> of people in black shirts <laughs> who are lovely, good people, but they're there to fulfill the brief of they've got a checklist of the 500 shots they need that day and they've got a whole squad of people in black shirts and, and they've got gimbals and sliders and they've got, they've got five cameras of... Yeah, it's a crazy thing and it's like... A, the, the wedding is great, but these photos, let me tell you, the photos will be amazing. Which, um, you know, there's 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 obviously merit in that. But aside from the black shirts, uh, there's the, the solo operators or maybe the solo duo. And they're there to just capture what's happening. And they don't mind if there's a tripod with a camera on top of it with a audio receiver getting the audio, recording the video, because they're just like, whatever happens is happening, man, and that's cool. And uh, they're not too pushy or anything like that there's the um there's the typically like when i say older i mean just like not in their 20s kind of you know squeezing to 30 40 uh guy who um who has more camera gear than than most camera stores and he's he's going to pose the heck out of people and uh and then there's the friend who just got into photography and god bless him they they are always looking for help because they've got no idea what they're doing like they show up with just like a camera and like a 50 millimeter yeah, yeah, baby, I got that in my iPhone XS. What else do I need? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I don't, I don't think that categorization was very helpful. Um, you know, I, I always tell my couples that uh, that there's so many different photographers you can choose from. Like literally within a hundred kilometers of my house, there's probably at least sixty or seventy, um, you know, what people would call professional operational photographers, uh, wedding photographers. And so, like, what a what a choice, what a selection to choose from. And when you're given that much choice, it's kind of hard to make a decision. And so I just always tell couples to look, look at their full galleries. Uh, like it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to be providing your best of on your social and your website, which is what you should do. Uh, but before you kind of lay down the deposit, try and see a full gallery just so you can get a feel for what a full day might look like. Um, but then the the real clincher, and uh, I feel this is unpopular amongst, uh, amongst photographers because you really are – out of control in this moment. So there's not much you can do about it, but I tell people to really look at their ceremony photos because that's, that's a place where your skill and talent really shine when you've got no choice over the time or over the lighting, over the positioning. And, um, and there's a guy like me running the show and you're just forced to literally go full journalistic. Uh, like that's, that's where people really shine. So I don't know. Was that helpful? I think so. What would you say are some of the most annoying things that photographers can do at a wedding? I don't really come across many annoying photographers. Like, oh, you don't have to I, lie here. This is a safe space. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. No, no, no. Honestly, most photographers I work with are fine. If if anything, they're probably just void of a soul. Um, mm-hmm. But that's <laughs> we, just we lose that in about year ten. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and so that's there's something wrong. I'm just like, oh, I just don't want to know you. Like, you're a boring, <laughs> sad soul. Um, go have a day off. That's 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 my opinion of those people. But they're not like. There's no advice. There's no advice I can give them apart from like, hang up the camera, man. Like, go shoot landscapes. You're gonna be good at that. So, uh, so there's those people. It's more so videographers that um that are. And I know everyone's everyone's got a word for a videographer, but I devil uh, demon yeah <laughs> bastard. <laughs> I'm a I'm a deep demonographer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a demonographer. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I feel, I feel like uh, I feel like the main difference between photographers and videographers, and I'm actually stealing this from a friend of mine, Briggsy, who's a photographer in Melbourne, and uh, 
And he categorizes that most photographers get into wedding photography because they like shooting people, that mm -hmm. they've got a connection with the personal element of the photograph. Like it doesn't hurt that it's in the beautiful location and that there's great light and that there's a landscape and it's beautiful. That doesn't hurt, but they're there to shoot the people. But uh, he categorizes most wedding videographers as um, these guys that have just got all their best gear and they've gone to film school and they want to make Hollywood films and they're not there yet. So we'll do weddings in the meantime just to kind of play with our gear and learn how to edit and and they don't have the personal connection. And so I'd say to wedding videographers, like just really hone in on that personal, like this is someone's wedding, this is important, which is something I try to bring through the whole wedding process. Like we're not just having a wedding or an elopement. We're not just we're not just doing another stock standard thing. We're celebrating the fact that you two don't hate one another. And I think that's pretty cool. And let's focus in on that, not so much which lens we should be using. That's good. I don't know. I really like to focus on my gear all day long. And I try not to talk to the bride and groom as much as possible. I find every time I open my mouth around them, they get this like look on their face like they're repulsed by me. So, ah, well, if you have trouble focusing, just use autofocus, bro. <laughs> That's what I keep telling them. <laughs> Dead set on that manual focus. Just yeah. slip it onto AF. But it could be because he's shooting Canon. I'm not, hey. I mean,. Have you not changed the Sony yet? I heard everyone was going to Sony. <laughs> He's a rebel. That's Steve Van Elk. Creating a ruckus. So the other day, Jen pulls me aside. She goes, <gasps> Steve, I want to apologize to you. Okay, that's the wrong wording. She's going to kill me when she hears this episode. She said, Steve, I need to tell you something. I'm starting to like the way the Sony cameras look. <laughs> and I was like... So we could have bought Sony cameras like three years ago and it'd be okay. And she's like, no, no, we couldn't have. I like the way the new ones look now. Three years ago, Canon was so much better. Now gaps much shorter between the two. Don't think we're switching over anytime soon, but I mean, it's a good time if, to be a Canon photographer. There are some cheap lenses on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Cause everybody's well, switching I mean, to Sony. With, with yeah. Canon, it's like if you're going to switch over to, well, it's not necessarily just switching to Sony, Dustin. It's if you switch over to the new Canon mirrorless system, you have to rebuy all new lenses. It's just right. it's just the same as switching to Sony or Nikon or something else. So all your old Canon lenses, you have to get rid of. So Unless you shot like Sigma, in which case you can send them in and have new mounts put on. If you're switching to Sony, not if right. you're switching to Canon mirrorless. They don't have uh, the oh. USR mount adapters yet, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I'm sure they will eventually. Keeping my eyes open for that, but I mean, the the mount's like a little bit wider. We're getting the gear talk. It's boring as hell. <laughs> do you want to, Josh, do you want to go to, uh, do you want to take us to the drone zone? Oh, can we ever? Yeah. Take us to so, the drone zone. So without further ado, let's cross over into... The Drone Zone. Josh, recently you've been sharing a ton of drone photos on your uh, Twitter. And so I was just kind of wondering, what is it, like, wh what kind of drone do you own? Let's start there. Okay, so I've got the uh, Mavic 2 Pro today. Uh, yeah, I had the boy. Mavic 1 until well, the 2 came out. It's um, it's beautiful. Isn't it a beautiful drone? Oh, it's so beautiful. I wouldn't know. I'm still on the Mavic 1. I've made so many oh. mistakes in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't worth the upgrade Canon, in Steve's Mavic mind. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll never forget the moment. This is the most. This is going to be the most romantic conversation you've had about drones ever. I'll never mm -hmm. forget the day that the Mavic 2 Pro came in the mail and... 
and I, I took off for the first time. And I, I don't take off by tapping the takeoff button. I kind of throw both joysticks down to the left and right. And, I didn't uh, even know there the was manual. a takeoff button, so... <laughs> so so I, I take off, you know, like manually. And uh, I don't know if you were here, uh, Dustin, but as as she takes off for the first time, it feels different to the Mavic 1. It feels like instead of flying... I've never had the Mavic 1, so I can't compare. Oh, you went straight in. I, I, I had the Phantom 4 and Phantom 4 Pro. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember. So... So from the Mavic 1 to the Mavic 2, it was like taking off in like a propeller airplane compared to taking off in an A380. It's just this this big, beautiful, thick body, and she takes off and she flies. And she mm. Better love a thick body. Mm. Oh, mate. I'm all about those big booty drones. Have you ever, have you ever invested in third-party propellers for it? On the Mavic 1, I bought the Platinum propellers, uh-huh. and I didn't know... Why? I, I, I apparently it was quieter. I don't know. Yeah, I get all these Facebook ads for like third-party propellers that are supposed to make them fly longer and be quieter, and I keep thinking about it, and then I don't ever pull the trigger. No, I, I think you've you've got, you've got to stay to the authentic um, propellers. Yeah, if I'm imagining third-party propellers would probably uh, kick you off the um, what's the DJI Care thingy? Oh, have you got the I Care? Don't, I don't have the Care. Oh man, I make money off the care. Really? <laughs> you crash it that much? <laughs> yeah. Eleven days, twenty. Eleven months, twenty-eight days in. Oops. What happened? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just crashed. I just crashed mine a couple weeks back, and it's sort of. I have the shipping label actually sitting right here on my desk to mail it in. And uh, I keep shooting with it, though, and it's like healing itself. Like, the problem <laughs> yeah. is getting less and less. Well, so, did, you, did you do what I recommended? What? When, you, when, you, when you go to launch the Mavic Pro, like, when, when you're taking off, uh-huh. instead, of, uh, instead of, like, setting it down, stepping back, you know, using the remote to, to get it up in the air, um, if you just leave all the propellers on your Mavic tucked in, and you just spin it really hard and throw it in the air... <laughs> It should the the propellers just pop out on their own and it'll start oh, flying. I should yeah. try that. Yeah, and that actually will solve a bunch of the problems that you might run into if you crash it a few times. Okay. And I would know because I've only flew in flown mine a few times and I've crashed <laughs> it almost every time. So <laughs> yeah. that's good advice. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. writing that down. Yeah, in yeah. my mind. I don't. Right I was going to say I don't see you actually writing anything right now. <laughs> I, um, I'm I'm really intelligent. I can remember everything. You just okay. listen back to this podcast later. Yeah. Yeah. Is this being recorded? Is this <laughs> for anyone else? You just got to really twist the wrist when you throw it up, you know? Wow. Yeah. See, you know, you like joke, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a hand launcher. I'm a hand launcher and a hand catcher. That's that's my thing. Oh, I love it. Yeah. You ever cut yourself doing that? Once. Nice. Yeah. But you, you learn. That's how you learn, man. You see, you get better. <laughs> do, you have to, do you have to turn something on to be able to catch it? Or no, so you, you just put your hand out flat and you mimic the ground. It freaks out for a bit, but you just keep on um, bringing it down, like as if you're flying, you know, uh, vertically down, and you just physically down it onto your hand. And it, it, figures, it figures it out. Because you can also, seconds. I've seen another videographer grab it out of the air and turn it upside down and the yeah, engine's no, cut. That, that's, that's a horror movie. I, like, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what happens with that. That sounds terrible. Because I've done like, uh, a wedding on a boat, like on a, on a yacht before and the videographer did like a 360 around the boat and then he had to like catch the drone as we were the boat was moving 
and I was like the most freaky, scary thing. Yeah. Well, he asked me to grab it. He's like, I'm going to get it on the boat and just grab it. And I didn't know about the whole turning it upside down thing. This is where I learned it. For the listeners, when Dustin said he was supposed to grab it, Josh and I both shook our heads no at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) We were both like, absolutely not. Don't do this. And and so, and uh, so he's landing on this boat. And I, I'm grabbing the drone and he's like, turn it upside down. Turn. I'm like, why would I turn it upside down? Like I'm like holding as this drone's like fighting against me, like a, like a wild bird trying to get away. <laughs> and like we're on a, on this yacht that has uh, like half the top deck is covered and we're on the front deck trying to keep it, you know, pulling it down. And it's like fighting against me. He's like, turn it over, turn it over. I'm like, what why and so finally he comes up and grabs it and flips it over and now i know that you can do that i mean if you don't do that it will just eventually free itself from your hand and then it'll be like interstellar and the drone will just stay in the air circling the earth for years and years on end (laughs) exactly (laughs) eventually you know matthew mcconaughey has to bring it down you know Mm -hmm. It's true. Did you read that on uh, dronehacks.com? Did you just create this own interstellar <laughs> moment? <laughs> then rip a, rip a hole in time and space. <laughs> well, I mean, love can do many great and powerful things, Dustin. I mean, that's why we have a marriage celebrant on the podcast, because love just ripped a hole through time and space and brought him onto a photography podcast. <laughs> Thank God for DJI. Like, you know, I don't mind that they track us through to this point where we can come to a podcast. That's lovely. (laughs) (laughs) So when when you're out there, whether it's at an elopement or just in your own spare time, what are you looking for when you're flying the drone? Because you have a lot of like really cool landscape shots and stuff. And if if it's cool with you and if you send us some of the photos, like we'll we'll post some when we post the episodes and see some of your work. Yeah, totally. But like, what do you look for? Um, I'm looking for three different things. Um, one is a photo that I would like. One is a photo that my wife would like, which is different to a photo I would like. <laughs> you, okay, we need to know. what What's the difference there? Uh, so a photo I would like is, uh, have you noticed, like I might do a, a downward kind of, I'll find patterns or like mm-hmm. just in the snow um, or maybe it's a pattern in trees or a pattern on the side of a building, like like kind of abstracty, mm-hmm. kind of the kind of stuff you just can't get from standing on ground level. I love that stuff. Uh, my wife hates it. She, uh, Britt loves kind of your more typical. She likes to keep the drone at ground level. Uh, well, no, she doesn't mind that it's that it's high up, but she just wants your typical, uh, as the human would view it, you know, your, your more standard landscapey kind of view. And so I want to take photos that she would like and that I would like. But then also I am, I'm, I'm always trying to find that photo that I think just might break the internet and, and I, I haven't found it. But, you know, it's, it's the whale or it's the... The internet's strong. The internet is very strong. I keep on flexing against it and it just pushes back against me. You just, you got to find that pattern um, in the landscape that looks like Kim Kardashian with a champagne glass on her butt and then shooting the champagne over her head and into the glass. Mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian, she really is the Jesus on a toast of this generation, isn't, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> Great comparison there. Great comparison. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I, I'm imagining like her backwards on a motorbike with her hair going the wrong way, but in the like shaped by trees on a mountainside. This is going to be epic. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be so famous. That's true. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. So yeah, that's what, that's what I'm looking for. I'm just trying to find cool stuff. Uh, although actually, there's a fourth category. Uh, if I'm shooting at a venue, 
I uh, I want to try and take photos the venue might like because um, if it's a venue I want to work at again, and there's there's only a handful of those because most wedding <laughs> venues are <laughs> the worst things that ever existed on the planet. Love and you guys. Not on the side of a mountain anywhere. No, no. But there, there's a handful of venues that are beautiful, and, and actually one of my favorite venues. Um, one of my photos is their main hero hero image on their on their website, which is cool. But I just want to try and photo try and find photos that they might like to share. So that, you know, we can just get that kind of whole Instagram love, the tagging, sharing love going on. It's a bit of a social love fest that would maybe result in people booking. Perhaps a social orgy. I didn't think that would be the word that I would use, but now that you've said it, it sounds exactly like the word I should have used. (laughs) Like a public orgy. Yeah, you just, you got to make that venue come, you know? (laughs) Always taking it one step further, Stephen. Gosh, I'm desperately trying to find a cuck holding venue correlation. <laughs> I've, I've got nothing. <laughs> so, uh, what sort of obstacles are there in Australia when it comes to flying a drone? Did you have to get licensed or anything? Is there even a licensing system there? Yeah, there, there is. It's um, it's it's pretty good if you're a Mavic owner because if you're a Mavic owner, you're under the 500 gram limit. Um. Like, I don't know what answers and et cetera are, but I think 500 grams is the limit where if you're under that, then you don't need to hold a um, RPOC, I think is the correct terminology, but a remote pilot operator's certificate, I think is what it is. And, and someone's going to tweet you afterwards and say that I got it wrong. But remote piece of crap. Got it. That's it. Yeah. So so there is a license you need. And uh, and if, you, if you're flying commercially... Um, I think I think that kind of kicks in when you're flying your Inspires and larger, uh, and so you need that to fly commercially. And I think even recreationally, if you've got an Inspire, you need to have your RPOC. But um, but for, I want for to Mavics, see the person who's recreationally just out there with an Inspire with like a red on it, and it's just shout out to my little brother Zach. This is this is just for fun. <laughs> ten grand, honey. Ten grand just for fun. Just for fun. It's uh, but did you see what the neighbor was doing yesterday? Because I did. <laughs> he put in a pool. Can you believe it? In eight, I'm getting this in 8K. I'm shooting this. <laughs> Just live streaming. Live Gerald stre- putting his new pool in. <laughs> you should see the quality on this, Gerald. Uh, so, yeah, so the Mavic, um, if you're flying a Mavic commercially in Australia, you uh, there's it's actually a really super simple online registration. You just have to um, – it's it's kind of a broken system. You have to go into the, uh, the CASA, which is the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, which I think is the Australian FAAA. Is it F- FAA? The- uh, according to Andy Buscemi, it's the FCC. That's the one. Yeah, sorry. I'm getting, getting, my, getting my Fs mixed around. It's one of your Fs. One of your Fs is in charge of drones. So your F is our CASA. And uh, you have to go onto their website and register. And you have to you have to tell it the suburbs that you plan on flying in. And then, so you just go to that list and you go, Control A, submit. <laughs> it's valid for like a year or two. <laughs> so you just choose all the suburbs. And uh, and if you've done that and you're flying commercially, you just have to then be aware of the um, of the drone laws. So where I live, being um, a few metres from the end of the runway, I cannot fly at home. I have to fly within five kilometres of the airport. Uh, if if it's a helipad or a, um, what's the word, like an unmanned airport or yeah. uncontrolled, 
Yeah. So if it's one of those, you just have to um, just use your noggin. Just have a look and make sure you're not going to crash. But apart from that, you've got to keep it within visual line of sight, V-L-O-S. Yeah, I'm really mm-hmm. up on the terminology. The drone, yeah. drone sheriffs are going to rip me apart, aren't they? <laughs> drone and, sheriffs. Uh, <laughs> have you guys... You don't know the terminology? Drone sheriffs. They're the guys that comment on the photo going, is this photo even legal? Yeah, those ones. God bless them. See, here locally, um, our police department recently upgraded and got this new technology where they can actually now track uh, the drones within a certain radius of our downtown. And... um, I don't. We haven't determined yet. I haven't asked one of them personally if they are tracking the drone and the remote, or just the drone, or just the remote. Uh, but one of my friends was flying downtown because the bride and groom had requested uh, drone shots of this fireworks going off at night, which flying at night over a city is a flying big no-no. at night in a city with fireworks sounds yeah. super safe. Yeah, doesn't super sound no-no. like anybody's going to die. But since they requested it, he was like, I'm going to try and get the shot because um, it was for he was a wedding videographer. And um, and so we he uh, the police pulled up and stopped him as as he was landing the drone. So we have not come to the conclusion yet. And like he showed him right there in his squad car, like he could track him like there was like a, you know, a dot going off on his screen. We think it's just DJI that they can track, but we're not sure. I wonder if they're, yeah, because you said are they tracking the remote or the or the um the drone? But the drone itself, the drone itself can only communicate using radio back to the remote. So I'm guessing that they're getting the location from the DJI app. Right. So let me let me let me share with uh, everyone uh, Josh's little drone hack, which is mainly I, I only did this because I. Um, I didn't want to be forced to update my software while I'm about to take off in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I've just disabled mobile data on my DJI Go app. Wow. Yeah. Rebel. Mate, have <laughs> I got the podcast? I have. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for the Rebel's Guide to Drone, drone Piloting. <laughs> so, Josh, do you want to do some Q&A with us? Oh, please. That's what I live for. Let's do some Q&A. But, but Steve. Chad from a random Facebook group asks, I was shooting a wedding recently and the officiant looked stoned out of his mind. He said a lot of stuff that was either complete gibberish or inside <laughs> jokes, but no one was laughing. The bride and groom said afterward that it felt like he was ruining their wedding day and they never wanted to see him again. Should I Photoshop him out of the wedding photos, or would that be awkward <laughs> if their ceremony photos were lacking the person marrying them? You know what? If uh, if if you could Photoshop him out, like in an inconspicuous, beautiful way, it wouldn't be that unnoticeable. Because, uh, like, do you guys see? It's a question to the two of you. I feel that there's maybe two or three oh, positionings we, we for celebrants. We don't take questions during this part. I don't, <laughs> well, what no, are you doing? You're breaking the this format a of the podcast. It's, it's an inside question. Sub-question. <laughs> because there's the, like, I, as a celebrant, I like to stand in between the couple. But then some people stand off to the side as if they're kind of like a, a commentator on the ceremony. Uh, like, what, what's, what's the most common thing you guys see? 
Uh, typically, it's some sort of a grappling hook scenario <laughs> to the ceiling. Like, um, like picture Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible. And yeah, then yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he comes down from the ceiling like Spider-Man. And then he sort of says, now I pronounce you. And then up to the ceiling he goes. Confetti wow. falls. Fireworks go off. Yeah. Yeah, I only do that in my top package. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you get my 10 hour. If you get my 10 hour, <laughs> I, I come in from a crane. I mean, I don't know how it is in Australia, but most of the weddings here in America, the uh, the officiant stands off about 100 yards away from where the people are getting married. <laughs> with a, with a bullhorn. And, uh, yeah, wedding venue. He's just yelling into the bullhorn, and you just kind of hope that everybody can hear him. And he kind of hopes that it's the right wedding, because, you know, there are weddings that are close together, and you never really know. So. I'm See, I just like to Skype into the ceremony. That way I get to do the ceremony with no pants on from my garage. Like one of those little like robots with like an iPad on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are they called? The assistant or whatever it is? Yeah. That's, you can buy that from the, the Apple store. That's the business you need to start. Man, get me Remote into that. elope. <laughs> Dot com. Wow. Uh, I don't know. Do you, think, do you think you should Photoshop him out? Like, it's, it's weird. I don't know, maybe, maybe don't Photoshop him out. Maybe Photoshop a different face onto him. Hey. So, so Joey, you got it. Photoshop you, Joey you got from Friends Yeah. You got an efficient you didn't want. Now it's just Joey from Friends and he's like, how you doing? And that's all it is. How you, the whole time. How you doing? Yeah. You actually go back <laughs> in on the video and you shop Joey from Friends in, and instead of him saying any of the stuff he's supposed to, it's just a loop of Joey saying how you doing over and over again. <laughs> After Effects is beautiful, isn't it? You can just yeah. do that. <laughs> I would just Photoshop myself in. So then it's sort of like that. You're a little like, what? I didn't know the wedding photographer was the officiant. You didn't like the officiant, but you love the wedding photographer. <laughs> That's like the watermarking of 2020. It's like, I don't, I don't do watermarks. I do Dustin marks. <laughs> I do Dustin marks. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell it's my myself. photo because I'm literally one third of the photo. <laughs> I'm also one of the groomsmen and the bridesmaid. <laughs> uh, uh, did you split from your husband? It's okay. I've got you covered. <laughs> you know, if you really piss Dustin off, then the bride will just be Dustin the whole time or the groom, you know, whichever one pisses him off more. He just replaces mm -hmm. with his own face. That's true. That's true. Gosh, that's beautiful. beautiful. I'm really good at Photoshop. Ask Steve. <laughs> so good. He sends all of his stuff out for somebody else to do it. <laughs> That's how, what happens, though. You get so good at something that you no longer have time for it. So. It's just child's play. It's like, if there's not a challenge, why would you even waste your time on it? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Amen. That's why I go to that bespoke town. Rabita. Rabita? Rabita? Dustin, how do you pronounce that? Can you help me out? Help, help, help me out, please. Uh, Rabita Rabita from a random Facebook group asks I just met with a couple over Skype that wants to get married in Bali dream come true unfortunately they said they were planning the wedding on a tight budget and wouldn't be able to make any payments on the wedding photography including a deposit until after the wedding they said if I would be willing to pay for my expenses up front, they would reimburse me after the wedding was over if they could do a payment plan. Should I do this? Question. Does she mention about them mentioning anything about the quality of her liver 
or any <laughs> other body parts. Because that would be a really red flag for me. That would be a massive red flag. <laughs> <laughs> Do you smoke or drink? <laughs> well, wait. Question for you, Josh. You've done weddings in Bali. How often do you do a wedding in Bali and they were just trying to lure you there to steal your organs? <laughs> How often uh, is this a problem for you? It, uh, it's not something I kind of come across on a daily basis. But, gosh, there is no way in hell I would take that in, that wedding. God, the, you, you know they're not paying. That's They're literally saying, I'm not going to pay you. It's beautiful. It's so how do you push back? How do you get them to pay? Uh, so I'm trying to think of a funny reply, but all I've got is a serious reply. Uh, I just, I just won't turn up unless you pay. So there's a, the way to get me to turn up. Wait for it. You pay. <laughs> I like that you said, wait for it. And then literally waited for the plane to fly over and said, <laughs> you pay in the middle of it. <laughs> this whole time you were like, there'll be a lot of planes flying over during this. And, uh, you know, I'll just like mute my microphone whenever one flies over. And every single time one's flown over, it's literally gone in like a second. Yeah. And <laughs> that's a good thing. And not once have you tried to mute the microphone or stop talking. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. No, this no, is no, a no, real I, podcast. I wanted, yeah. Lending some authenticity to it. Gosh. No one's turning up to a wedding without being paid, surely. Uh, so when this happens to us, uh, when a couple says, you know, they're on a tight budget, uh, mom and dad have died or something and they can't, you know, they have no one else to help them pay. Wow. Um, you killed their mom and dad just because they couldn't pay, Dustin? <laughs> you know, we got to do what we got to do, That's taking a step too far. But um, wow. we just you asked them to- godfather on them. <laughs> you- when in Indiana, um, we asked them to mail us uh, their driver's license, their passport, and their social security number, um, and we hold on to those until we receive payment. Look, we're gonna get to Bali, and uh, my man here—he's uh, 250 pounds, pure muscle. Um, he's just gonna hold your passport, your driver's license, uh, your social security card in a briefcase that's handcuffed to his wrist until we're done with this. Also, he is carrying three guns. Oh, we also, we put a chastity belt on them <laughs> uh, with a biometric lock. So they can't consummate the marriage until we receive payment. I'm sorry, you said biometric lock. So <laughs> you it's, it's have to be the one who like puts <laughs> your finger on their genitals to no, get no, that chastity belt no. off. It's got well, face ID on, on the chastity belt. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to pull their pants down and look straight at their genitals and unlock it and then pull it yeah. off. Yep. That's a, that's a great way to make sure you get an eyeful, Dustin. It takes a little bit of you saliva, I'm too. reporting you. It's a little bit of saliva to get the DNA Ugh. to unlock it. You know oh, what? Gosh. This is actually a good way of getting around the fact that the Balinese wedding industry is actively reporting people, uh, foreigners that shoot there without a work permit because well, you're not working because you're not being paid. So it might be like, what a great opportunity when the authorities come and say, hey, why are you working without a work permit? You're like, actually, I'm not working. Here's my proof I'm not getting paid. Also, have you got any spare livers? Because mine's missing. <laughs> mine's missing, and I could really use a drink about now. I could really use a drink. I don't want to die, though. And don't mind the chastity belt in my book bag here. God. Good old Bali. It's a, it's an, it's a, it's a beautifully weird place. I'm, I'm assuming you guys haven't been. Uh, why would you assume that? <laughs> but just because it's a million kilometers away. <laughs> 
No, we like to spend our free time in Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone and Mexico, I hear. Mm, yes. Good old Bali. It's, it's it's not a bad place to work, but I wouldn't. I, I find it hard to do weddings there because there, there's a real local presence. Like if a wedding has got like more than one wedding vendor that's local working on it, I probably won't do it because the, the local wedding industry is just like ratting people out left, right and center. Have you ever done uh, an elopement somewhere where you show up and there's another elopement happening there? Yeah, yeah. So in Queenstown, New Zealand, there's on any day of the week, there's at least five to ten other ceremonies happening. Um, and there's also a lot of pre-wedding shoots as well. Is that a thing that you guys get where the, the Chinese couples are traveling the world and they get um, all the big spots? You know, uh, yeah, Paris, you know, all those Chinese couples, they just love coming to Indiana <laughs> for, for their for pre-wedding wedding. shoots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Queenstown um, is the next list beneath Fort Wayne on that one, and they um, they they're always there. So because I'm a six foot one white bloke, I just look at them and they leave. There you go. <laughs> yeah, like that guy. Eh? That guy. He he plays rugby. I can tell. Yeah. Do you ever play rugby when you were a kid? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you had to do something to fight off the crocodiles. <laughs> If you could, if you could defeat them on the football field, then they respected you, and they wouldn't you and your family. <laughs> I didn't. I have no words. No words. <laughs> I mean, um, what can you say? I mean, we'll never be as impressive as somebody from Australia. I want to take this question, if I may, um, Steve. Damn it! From a random Facebook group, ask the following: How do I build up my courage? to fly my drone more often. I keep getting made fun of for having a drone, but not flying it enough in my photography group I run. Wow. Also, <laughs> it goes on. Also, I get made fun of for crashing the drone when I do fly it. Steve sounds Please like a help. super smart person. Um, I don't think we need to answer this one, you know? Uh, if he was uh, super smart, he wouldn't be super smart. Out super for intelligent. Help. Um, you know, I think he's just on the right track here. Uh, we should give him like real help. Like we, you know, no, no jokes this time. No jokes. Right. We can all agree. No jokes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Josh and uh, Dustin, feel free to say whatever you want then. Just okay. random Has, Steve. Random Steve. Random Steve. Just a random Steve. That, that, Steve so PH. Just to, just to make sure he is a, he's a PH. Yeah. Um, he, he has a drone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably a, just the first Mavic. Probably not probably the pro. first Mavic. Yeah, probably a PhD he has, he has in flying drones. I would assume. You know, <laughs> that's the why he doesn't want to fly. He wants to stay yeah. safe. He doesn't want to be yeah. a drone sheriff or get arrested by the social media drone sheriffs. Yeah. Um, my my advice to Steve would be just to to face your fears and uh, probably the best place to go is. Um, Actually, you know what? I would actually, I would get up to New York City. I'd go to Manhattan. Uh, Central Park is a nice open place. And uh, <laughs> I would um, I would just, I would try and find a group of large people, like a, a marathon or a concert. Yeah. Uh, an outdoor um, concert. Yeah. I love that. An outdoor concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so that, um, just so you got a crowd of people encouraging you in your bold, valiant effort to fly and uh, just pop it up. Um Maybe don't start with the hand takeoff. Maybe put it on the ground, just because you, know, you don't want to embarrass yourself. Like you <laughs> yeah. don't want uh-huh. to have come uh-huh. so far, uh-huh. Steve. Random Steve that we don't know. Random and, Steve. Uh, random Steve. Uh, I'm just taking notes over here. Don't mind me. 
And and I would fly that because uh, you really want to get the detail on everyone's faces as they cheer you on because you want that memory to come back. And if you're only flying the original Mavic 1, not a mm. big sensor. So you want to get that nice and close to the people that are jogging or enjoying the concert. I'm talking three to four feet away from their face. Because <laughs> it hasn't feet, yeah. got the detail. Yeah. Maybe four to five, just in case there's a tall guy. You don't want to take someone out. <laughs> Uh, kind of like that. It would, yeah. it would actually sound like that to there everyone. your drone. <laughs> Just right overhead. <laughs> well, sounds like great advice. I'm going to pass it along to Steve from a random yeah. Facebook group, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll track uh, him Dustin, down. Have you, have you got any advice? Uh, honestly, uh, the only advice I can give Steve from a random Facebook group would be to just sell the drone. Give up. Mm-hmm. Just let yeah. it go. Let mm-hmm. those hopes and dreams of being as great um, as I'm us, writing this one just, down like Josh just, did earlier without writing anything. I'm just making a mental note. Just just <laughs> know that you'll never have a Mavic 2 and that your Mavic 1 will never live up. And um, it's time to just let, let the dreams go and move on. Recognize that you're an on-the-ground photographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Infantry. Thought, Infantry. Um, I think this is important as well. Is it is it maybe better to hold on to the Mavic 1 until it becomes vintage stock? Yeah, mm. like your iMac behind you. Like like my 16-year-old iMac behind me, yeah. 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 Maybe practice, yeah, tell him, Steve, while you're writing those notes down for him, mm-hmm. maybe tell him to just practice doing photos and video while holding it. So, like, kind of oh, pretend yeah. like it's flying, like walk yeah. around with Don't it. Don't even need to pop the propellers out. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. That way Use you get a, feel, mm-hmm. get a feel for it. Um, like, you know, that way you kind of become one, literally, with the drone. I am one with uh, the drone, and the drone is one with me. I am one with the drone, and the drone is one with me. Get the DJI goggles, you know, so you really are, like, seeing it. I am a leaf floating on the wind. As you run around the wedding. Yeah, I think there's something there for you. Or for him, sorry. Yeah, for him. Maybe even just throw the AirPods on and Mm -hmm. uh, just on loop. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Nelly Furtado, like a bird, or... uh, um, there's uh, R. Kelly. No, no, um, no. Mm, yuck. Uh, yuck. <laughs> yuck. <laughs> or just, or just wind sounds. sounds. Just wind sounds. Wind sound. <laughs> I'll record some for you, him. You, him. Yeah. That's a strange way <laughs> to address advice. someone. Oh, you, that's, him. But. That's his last name. Steve, you, uh, him. Mm-hmm. Tomas from a random Facebook group asks, I am set to fly to Mexico for a wedding. I live in California, and the couple said they would take care of my flight. They just sent me over the information, and they literally booked me a flight that has a 12-hour layover in Chicago. Oh, my Lord. I cannot begin to understand this. I could literally drive to their ceremony faster than this flight they booked me will take. How do I convince them to cancel this crazy flight and book me a direct flight? Oh, my God. I had this exact thing happen to me a few years back, and it was... Oh, this was the worst. I was second shooting, so I didn't even know what the arrangement was. But on our way back from Mexico was the crazy flight. So I'd only seen, like, the flight getting there, Mm -hmm. which was, like, Indiana to Atlanta, Atlanta to Mexico, which is pretty common for us. And, but on the way back, it was, like, Mexico to Texas, Texas to L.A., L.A. to Atlanta, and then Atlanta to Indiana. It was like we were zigzagging across the country. And uh, it was like 
I think 21 hours total travel time between point A to point B was the worst. That's absolutely crazy. Trying to hit all 50 states, Dustin, is that what it is? That's what it felt like. So is it, because it's it's not normal for me or people in my destination-y, travel-y kind of world to have their flights booked by the couple. Is it normal for American bookings? No. No. Because that's a terrible idea. I um. If nothing else, it's quite common. Like this last weekend, I did, um, I did two weddings and an elopement ceremony in three completely different like parts of Australia, and uh, and and so having people book flights it just doesn't really work because I I want to just be in control of my schedule. So uh, I would I would ask for them to cancel the flight and give you the money and let you look after it and maybe you drive because that's. <laughs> Yeah, it was twelve hour layover. That's hell. I, I do a, f- a few of those. Like I'm coming coming back from Iceland in November, and I was looking at the different routings because coming from Iceland to Australia is there's just well the, there's no direct flights and there's nothing that even resembles anything close to direct. It's it's a hell of a journey. So uh, we're actually going to spend a day in Helsinki and a day in Tokyo coming home because uh, I was kind of hoping I could fight the jet lag by having two layover days. I don't know. We'll see if it works. But yeah, I never let anyone book my own travel. That's crazy. How 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 crazy is your jet lag when you fly back to Australia? Uh, it, it depends which way you're going. So coming from Australia to say New York, which I'm doing in a few weeks, um, I'm so prepared for that to be the worst thing that has ever happened to me. Like New York, like so coming from East Coast Australia to East Coast America, it just wrecks you because you leave Australia at maybe uh, nine or ten a.m. and you land in LA at around six a.m. LA time. Uh, maybe an hour or two to to transfer onto another Qantas flight, and then uh, it's I think uh, is it what five five and a half hours to to New York from LA, mm-hmm. but then you land at maybe five or six p.m. New York time, and and then you have to push it out. Hopefully, try and get to bed in the next few hours. But it, yeah, I usually but when I whenever I come to New York from East Coast Australia, it probably takes me three days to get over get over the jet lag. You just feel <laughs> sick. So when Ouch. you do, like when you're coming to New York, do you plan to be there like early enough so that you can get over the jet lag before whatever you have to do there? Um, you've mistaken me for a smart man. No, <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> a smart man would do that. No, yeah, but, but not, not me, not all man with us. You know, if you, planned a few, if you planned a few layovers, like say one in, I don't know, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana, maybe it'd be a little bit better, you know? Fort Wayne's a great airport. Yeah, no, I I did look at that and I thought, also not that smart. That's a crazy. <laughs> it's a crazy delay. That's <laughs> a crazy delay. So you could always you could always crazy fly delay here to be in the same time zone as New York. <laughs> yeah, crazy delay. But I, then I, I, you take the train from here yeah. to New York. All that time to rest, recover, hydrate, drink on your way uh, to New York. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, you would get like a. A solid 10 hours. Drink alcohol, dehydrate, throw up, recover more, hydrate yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, so probably something that most Americans aren't aware of is that the Australian aircraft, like particularly Qantas, but the Australian airline industry is leaps and bounds better than anything that you guys have got that ex- exists in your whole country. So it, I'll try as far as I can to tr- fly Qantas because um, 
everything else. God, but like your trains, they're terrible. Mm-hmm. Really bad trains. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Um, I, I I caught the bus from from DC to um to to New York once. Oh, like, buses! I was Ooh. scared for my life. Yeah. They had free Wi-Fi, so that wow. I could tweet oh, one of those could, buses. Yeah, yeah, I could tweet my demise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> Please save me. Tell my wife I love her. Uh, American Airlines. That that's. Possibly the worst airline on the planet. I've flown a lot of airlines, but American Airlines is the worst. This episode sponsored by Delta. <laughs> we get there for you. At least yeah. it wasn't United. No, At least it wasn't wouldn't. United. We wouldn't take their garbage money. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I want to fly Qantas all the way to New York. It's um, That's the only way. So what makes Qantas? I've never heard of that airline. Uh, it must be because it's You've just so good. you never heard of Qantas? Nope. It's too good. Wow, uh, Qantas is the it's the it used to be the government owned airline in Australia until I don't know like the eighties and then they commercialised it, but uh, it's just a good airline. Like I feel like I'm not going to die for the entire flight, and that everyone else on the airline is also this sounds like maybe a you problem, maybe not an airline problem. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? How are you doing all these elopements? <laughs> you have to fly to other countries if you feel like you're going to die on the air. Oh, do you guys not spend the entire flight praying for your life? That's that's the only way the airline lands. I'm responsible for all of the safe landings as I I just speak it into existence. Using, <laughs> using Every using time you see a flight that wrecks, it's because Josh forgot to pray that day. <laughs> like, sorry, flight sorry, 312. Um, overslept this morning. and <laughs> It's not his fault. There was a delay on the jet star coming from Perth. (laughs) (laughs) My friends, is an A plus uh, reference. Good work, man. Did I get the airline right? Am I here? Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Sorry, I thought you dropped out. You winked out of existence for a second. I thought maybe we had forgotten to pray. (laughs) God, God was uh, God just smited us. I don't know if you know this, but all of America is responsible for praying that Australia doesn't sink into the ocean every. Every minute. So. Actually, if you guys could move your thoughts and prayers from our existence just to our internet connectivity, that would be really helpful. <laughs> Forget about the Amazon rainforest as it burns away. <laughs> Forget about South Africa as it also burns away. Forget about California as it also burns away. Let's pray for the internet. Honestly, it's terrible here. Yeah. So do we have time for more questions or J- Josh, what, what's your schedule yeah. like today? Hit me with another question, then I'll go be a father. I'm on an hour's break from being a father. Amy from a random Facebook group asked this, Josh. My elopement clients want me to spend a day hiking with them in the mountains to get to the ceremony location. I Googled it, and it's an eight-hour hike one oh, wow. way to the location. They want me to do sunset shots too. How do I even begin to charge for this? My steps taken or calories burned or just by the hour? This is new to me, Josh. Also, what if I can't make the hike? Wow. See, Mia, we need to slip back into the drone zone. (laughs) I'm suggesting an Inspire 2. You meet them at the car park for the elopement. (laughs) Wish them well. Mic them. And then just put a set, little lapel mic on. Yep. And uh, just set active track. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I thought I thought with an Inspire too, we were just going the route of you meet them at the car park. You say I'll meet you at the location. You grab onto the Inspire and you just fly yourself there. <laughs> Tom Cruise style. <laughs> that actually, I, that is the day I'm. That's probably when I'll do elopements. Is when I can have a, some sort of a drone jetpack type situation. They See got the a top, drone guys. car now. They have a drone car. Like, it's literally like a car-sized drone. Like, it has the quadcopter thing going on. You sit in it, and, like, you, you pilot it like a drone. You just lift off the ground and fly wherever you want. Yeah. Seriously, though, she needs to learn about the wonder of helicopters. I wonder if the couple <laughs> have heard of helicopters, because they go places. So, so, for those of us who've never been on a helicopter, um, that's like a drone, but, like, it can hold people, right? Yeah, it's a people drone. A people and what drone. Is you, okay. You all get on board, and all five of us pray the entire trip. <laughs> Can't <laughs> stop praying. <laughs> it's the only way. It's the only way the helicopter flies. It's kind of like a. <laughs> it's just, it's like Santa Claus's sleigh. It goes off hopes and dreams. Yeah. The thoughts and prayers will support you and sustain you through this difficult time. <laughs> When you're not hiking, but instead getting to the top of the mountain in seven minutes instead of eight hours. I think the question, Amy, is um, this is the time in your life that you've been waiting for to switch to Sony. <laughs> Have that lighter lighter kit, lighter gear, shed all that Canon, Nikon garbage and uh, move on with your life. Mm, I like the helicopter idea. So we all jump in a helicopter. We put parachutes on because, you know, the helicopter's probably going to go down. Uh, the helicopter takes us out over the top of the thing. We jump out, pop our parachutes. Uh, we don't even have to have the helicopter land. We just, we got to wait to get far enough away from the helicopter before we pop those parachutes. Otherwise, it's mm -hmm. getting stuck in the propeller and we're all going down. But That's bad. That's yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. Like four of you jump out. Pop your, you know, parachutes at the right time. Fifth person jumps out, pops it way too soon. Now the helicopter just lands on the other four people. Still a bad place to be in, you know? You don't really want to be the first person out of the helicopter in that situation, but I think you're all getting to the ground somehow or another. Have you ever done an elopement in the air? An airlopement? I almost did. An airlopement. <laughs> I almost did a few weeks ago, uh, but it was just not practical. Uh, we had done their elopement ceremony in New Zealand, and we, we were all flying back on the same flight. And uh, usually when I do elopements overseas or even weddings overseas, I'll generally still do the Australian paperwork. Well, I'll, I'll do their legal marriage paperwork in Australia because it saves them dealing with other country laws and all that kind of thing. So generally their legal paperwork will be a day or three or four off from their elopement date. And uh, when I discovered we were all on the same flight, we, um, we thought that'd be so cool to do it on the plane. However, my authority to marry people in Australia extends to 25 nautical miles off the coast um, of, uh, off the coast of Australia. And that's where we would have been coming into land. So unless we were all seated together, we couldn't do it. And we couldn't all sit together uh, because I'd got a points upgrade to business class. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to be sitting in a nice seat, actually. Oh, yeah. sorry. Mm. Sorry. So I did it in the airport instead. Mm. Nice. So when, when do you hook up with uh, SpaceX to do the first uh, marriage in space? Uh, call me Elon. I'm in, baby. <laughs> 
I mean, technically, uh, when you were flying in the airplane, you were over international waters. So you didn't really have to be in Australia to marry them then. Like, it's it's pirate rules out there, right? You just have to take control of the airplane, and then you could do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, you have to take control, and then you have to look Elon in the face and say, I'm the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the authority to marry people. <laughs> I didn't know if like maybe that's why you only flew Qantas Airlines because you were actually secretly a captain for yeah. that airline in the event that somebody needed an emergency wedding officiant. I will stop the thoughts and prayers for a second, conduct a ceremony, <laughs> and then go back to the thoughts and prayers, the hopefully recovering the airline. <laughs> we'll good. be in a free fall until then. It'll be zero Gs. It'll be beautiful. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> We're all going to be floating. The photographer is going to love it. We thought we thought we'd love to see you guys get your money's worth on this flight. So when those oxygen tanks fall out of the ceiling, take deep, deep breaths. Really want you to deep remember to you know help yourself to the oxygen tank before you help you know an elderly person or a child. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if you don't help yourself, you can't help them. Especially nice to see everyone falling asleep during the ceremony, not because of how boring I could be, but because they're losing oxygen. <laughs> Stop passing out. Well, at least then you don't feel bad when it happens, right? True, yeah. Josh, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys all so much for joining us for another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover podcast. Josh, where can people find you? Marriedbyjosh.com uh, or Married by Josh on social. Um, and uh, Britt and my wife, uh, my Brit and my wife, uh, I've got the whole polygamy pl- uh, thing going on. Uh, my <laughs> wife, Britt, as I may introduce her, she's got the Elopement Collective and she's uh, elopementcollective.com or at Elopement Collective on all the Instas. And if you are like a celebrant or an officiant, uh, I've got a full um, membership website, blog, podcast for celebrants. And uh, that website is celebrant.institute and it's celebrant.institute on all the socials. So get into that one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this. I uh, had a lot of fun. Oh, you're just going to close the podcast down for us so we didn't have to do it? Yeah, I was. Cool. I just wanted to do something nice for you guys, oh, considering so I've been rubbishing you the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's just that one question from Steve from Random Facebook Group where I really felt like you guys are taking the mickey out of me. But then again, I wrote the show notes, personal. so I didn't have to include that one. <laughs> that one that was devastatingly close to real life. Wow. That's true. Yeah. How you doing? Was do you want some just some aloe vera for that burn? <laughs> <laughs> can I can I just end with Steve? Steve, can I just end with this? Steve, I just want to end with this. This is the tonight. Tonight was the best thing I used my drone for. Literally, like maybe an hour before I came on this podcast, um, my dog got out before. Um, I came home, like I was coming home, opened the garage, the dog ran out, started going yeah. down the street, happened to have my drone sitting beside me in the car. So instead of like me running after him, chasing him back home, I flew my drone after the dog and then scared him shitless to come back home. I think there might be a new avenue for drones. Is, was it that new drone with the flamethrower on it? Were you, were you blowing <laughs> flames at your dog, scaring it down the street? <laughs> No, but I did wish it, I, um, it could make like a sound like, 
like a whistle, some sort of deterrent. Whether or not you were blowing flames at it, like I'm still calling Animal Protective Services on you for this. <laughs> this is terrible. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to show you a video, but now I'm not going to if you're going to start dobbing on people. Yeah, oh, you're in Australia. I don't, I don't know what to do there. <laughs> you guys drive um, over um, animals on the highway. <laughs> we, do, we we aim for them. <laughs> There's a... Uh, Somewhere here is a spectacular video of me um, a couple of hours outside of Queenstown in New Zealand. Um, chasing an uh, animal? Chasing a whole flock of lamb. I was going to say, it's got to be sheep, right? Yeah. <laughs> New Zealand, oh, that's all like, they got there. Oh, um, I wonder if this is... is that... Mm-hmm. that works. That works. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... It looks really great, though. Yeah, that yeah, was top quality because you got to get that was the Mavic One. You got to get in really close to get that. Get James that quality. Kelly was telling us that uh, up in the Faroe Islands, there's a farmer there who's taken to shooting down drones because wow. uh, people were flying them over like his sheep and scaring the sheep, and they were running off cliffs as a result. So, oh my god, yeah. like lemmings. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was James Kelly. Maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of somebody else who's on the podcast. Maybe it's Greg Campbell. He's he's from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's something a Kiwi do. In fact, the Kiwi laws. Uh, and I've got to go because my daughter's waking up soon. Yeah. Um, but uh, the Kiwi um, drone law. Well, they're not just drone laws. It's like airspace laws. Is that the landowners own the air above them? Whereas uh, Australia and America are very similar. That. Um, once you've left the air, like you can be hovering a meter above my land and I've got no authority over your drone because you're in the airspace and the airspace is controlled by the federal government as opposed to the landowner. Whereas in New Zealand, the landowner has got full authority over his airspace. Nice. And so, uh, yeah, so I've been yelled at by many, many a farmer. <laughs> Love it. I, I always say, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't speak English. And they, <laughs> they look at me like a bloody tourist. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep the Yankees hat on, and it'll it'll all go go together. Me from America. <laughs> we don't speak English there. You guys speak American, don't you? Uh, yeah. Como se dice? <laughs> hey, um, boys, it's been a lot of fun. I've really appreciated yeah, the uh, thanks, time. Josh. It's been good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Josh. It was a blast having you on here. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast with Dustin and Steve. And this week, Josh, if you want to help us out, jump on iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a five-star review. While you're at it, jump on over to the Rebel's Guide to Getting Married. That's Josh's podcast slash YouTube channel. Leave him a five-star review on iTunes, too. If you want to connect, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Wedding Photo Hangover or on Twitter at Wedpick Hangover. Dustin is on Instagram at Dustin underscore Mick. Kevin and Steven is at Steven Van Elk. If you want to get involved with the awesome community of listeners, join the Wedding Hangover Facebook group. But if you really want to warm our hearts, head on over to StevenDustinSaveTheWorld.com. That is just going to lead you straight to our Patreon. <laughs> and you can sign up to support us for as little as $1 a month. It's extremely helpful to us. And you'll get awesome stuff. Like if we have any outtakes from this episode with Josh, Which we will. that's where you'll find them. We will. We recorded for like two hours with him. He was awesome. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time your head is pounding, your limbs feel like dead weight, and your entire being aches for the sweet embrace of death. That's right, next Sunday after you shoot another, another wedding. wedding. Oh, gosh. Or elopement. Or elopement. Man, or elopement. You know, mid-week mid elopement. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, that's my dream. 
maybe you just load a few podcasts of uh, Wedding Photo Hangover up and you listen to them on the flight there and you listen to them during your 12 hour layover in Chicago. You know, mm-hmm. it's really yeah. going to help the time pass. You won't even notice that you're stuck in O'Hare and not having anything to do. Exactly. Or Midway. Does Midway fly to Mexico or is that just a U.S. national only? Mm, I don't know. Mm. Never been to Midway that I know of. I've only been to O'Hare. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like Midway is one of those things where, like, Chicago says they have two airports. But uh, if it's like, I've never been there, so I don't know if it really exists. I feel like Midway is probably like just like FedEx, UPS, that kind of stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> it can't be real Amazon flights with real people. But cool. Gotta go, bud. Love you. Bye. Oh, I love you too. Oh, don't leave me, Dustin. No, Dustin, come back. <laughs> Dustin, no. That was oh. the sound effect of door closing. Oh, Dustin, please open the door back up. Oh, Dustin. <laughs> Dustin. 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 That's for Boo Ray and Gary if they keep listening. Yeah, I, I figured. They're going to love it. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book, boys. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with deflecting things if I don't want to talk about them, but I, I, don't, I can't imagine anything like that. Like, I'm really insecure about my penis size, uh, okay. so maybe... Don't go down that line. Um, Hold on, let me scratch that from the question list. <laughs> Damn it, we don't have any questions left. Alrighty. <laughs> Give us five seconds. We that was think the longest question we have, if you know what I mean. Hey. <laughs> Wedding Photo Hangover was edited this week by Steve Van Elk of Bespoke Tone. Go to Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, and audio editing needs.